Um, so Philippians 3, 1 and 3 says, Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you. So, um, finally, my brethren doesn't mean that Paul is about to close his epistle. The literal meaning is, ask for the rest. The same word is used again in Philippians 4 and 8, where it said, where he says, finally, brothers, whatever is true. So, in other words, um, it's like, this isn't my last letter, but we're continuing on, and this is the close of my last statement. Right. So, right. So whatever's true and whatever's honorable, whatever is just, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. So finally, think about these things. Finally, you know. Um, So I believe the Holy Spirit was giving me this. I always say I believe, you know, I don't want to make the Holy Spirit or lie or, you know, accidentally commit the Holy Spirit to something I've said, but I believe this is what I was getting. Well, the lights come right down here, so, you know, I I can't explain that either. But just um, sometimes I try to look out there so I can pick on people, but all I see is just blurbs. (laughs) Yeah, so, um, so an expression of love can be birthed out of our true inner feelings, or they can be contrived. There's a viral video going on. At the, uh, you guys may have seen it. Those of you who are in the social media, the little boy goes and hugs another little boy. And, you know, he asks him before he hugs him, you need a hug or something like that. It's real cute. He gives him a hug, right, and everything. And it's very touching. And then um, before you know it, the kid that gave the other kid a hug, before he could even get through with the words, he turns to the toys. So, you know it was rehearsed or contrived or here what we want is for you to give this example of a hug right but it's like his mind was not in the hug it was like I have to do this so I can do this right and he let that kid go so quickly and turn to the toys it was just like you know so but it was still very cute you know um and this is actually how many of us respond in life. It, it's the truth. It's, it's like we have a rehearsed way of doing things. Good morning. Oh, good morning. You, you know, it's kind of like it without thought as to whether or not it's really a good morning or if you're really having a good morning or whatever the case may be. We, we kind of operate like stoic zombies in some sense sometimes, you know, or robotic. Um, when your mother tells you after you fought with your brother, go give your brother a hug, that helps alleviate whatever the issue was, <laughs> but it, it's, and then you guys can continue on playing, but there's really been no real resolve. You just did what mother said, and now you're content playing, but let's revisit this at some point, and you'll see that the, the anger and hostility has now grown inside of you. It's, it's now it's uh, ammunition for the next argument that we have, Right? So it's kind of weird that I could do what you're saying to do, and it can look very compassionate and, you know, as though it's genuine, but I'm just following instructions, right? And so we're going along to get along now because we're not thinking about the incident. 
that incident that caused us to have the argument or the fight in the first place, right? It's never been resolved. It hasn't been dealt with. So it appeases the moment, but later resurfacing of old wounds, it, it can be, you know, it can blow up. It can be bigger than before. It can be worse. So um, the hug was anchored on a command, on a law, you know. And what the Lord is doing is trying to get us out of the law and the command and to follow his spirit. And so, um, which, which, is, which is good because, you know, for me, when me and my brothers would fight, First, I don't want to hug. You know, I'm, I'm, you know that there, now it's a fight between me and the parent, right? Because I, I'm resisting this. I don't want to hug. You need to take my side and help me beat him. So I could never really beat any of them. They were older than me, so I needed help. I didn't want some kind of truce. Don't bring in some kind of truce or whatever. But, you know, we get from the world, grace guys are going to clear up. Put on a happy face, right? We get this from the world. This is what the world wants. You put on a happy face, they'll clear up, but even if they don't, smile. Put the smile on, you know. <laughs> you know, smile like an idiot, my mother would tell me. You smiling like an idiot, right? She didn't waste any time jacking me up. You smiling just like an idiot. So, uh, <laughs> smile. Though your heart is aching, right, right? Who's Frank Sinatra or somebody? Smile, smile. Even though your heart is aching, smile. Okay, um, so um, our learned expressions, you know, and tactics, um, they might give meaning for the moment or have a, they appease the moment. And, um, and actually, um, I mean, you can leverage off of grace guys, guys are going to clear up. But we're not really anchoring ourselves to, we're hopeful by faith, of course. But we're not anchoring ourselves to the grace guys that are going to clear up. Paul is clearly saying, if they clear up or not, I have a real joy going on here. It's different than a show. It's different than a command. It's different than... Uh, trying to give an expression of happiness or love or something. It's really inner. It's inward. It's, it's something that he couldn't make happen even if he went out and hugged all the guards and Nero himself. Because we can do that. We, we've learned how to, and for the, our own sake, how to um, uh, yeah, submit and bow down to mean authority. You know, you know on the job, you know, you've had that boss you know, or bosses or whatever. So we learn. But what Paul is trying to uh, impress us with is that, you know, I'm really, this isn't uh, a show for you. You know, I'm not just today after just grieving and crying and suffering. I just picked up a pen and wrote to you guys and told you how joyful I am, right? Because that's what we do on Facebook. We don't put the picture up when we're all got blisters or acne is broke out or whatever, we put the one up that's, that looks great. You know, this is the picture we want to see. And if you look at some pictures, all you see is just great. Just, just great smiles, right? right? And all you, you, you tend to believe that this person's life is just an awesome life, right? But that's not Paul. He's telling you, I'm in prison. Now, how good does it get there? I mean, you know, I mean, now, it was, in this case, he was under house arrest, but that's still arrest. You know, you want to be, I want to be over Tirethus and, and Eaton and stuff, and Ruth's eating. And everywhere I want to be, I want to be eating. 
And so, you know, I don't want to be locked up here, you know, in some prison. But if I have this truth in me that Christ is with me, if he's really in me, and I'm not going through this alone, I don't have to put on a happy face, right? I don't have to write a happy letter, right? Because in essence, whether I pay attention to it or not, it's, it's full of a lie. There's a perception I'm trying to give that's deceptive. It's really not true. So if I'm trying to tell you, oh, Doretha, when you go to prison, you can enjoy too. You're just going to have a good time. Look at me. You know, that's a, it's like, it's, it's, it's kind of like, and you know how? You just put on a happy face. Now, we know these happy faces don't really express what's going on on the inside. We're able to put these faces on. We learn from our parents. You better smile. You better quit. You better look happy, you know, because they're sick of your pouting and your screaming or whatever. You, you know, you, you better change that expression, change that tone, right? So, I mean, whether we knew it or not, we were being sculpted for the people we were going to become. And in a lot of ways, when we enter into the church, we bring those attitudes into the church with us. We've had joy, but we can't induce joy. It, it, it's not it, joy. I'm going to tell you, happiness is often mistaken for joy. And, and happiness is not joy. Inner genuine joy comes from knowing and trusting God. Happiness comes from pleasant circumstances or situations and, and things, right? Okay, so happiness, since it's based on external circumstances, um, we realize that um, some of the parables, we may not really fully understand what's going on. No, let the, leave it open. No, because I'm about to faint. <laughs> I don't know why it's so hot up here th- today. And, and so, um, thank you, though. Thank you. And so, uh, and so um, uh, yeah, Jesus says, you know what? In Luke 6, 29, the one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. Now, brick-like callousness eventually becomes immune to the pain. So I can learn how to take a blow, in other words. The cage fighters, they learn how to suffer a blow. They, you know, they, they just keep fighting. We saw this video Pastor Rick sent me the other day. Um, it, it was a guy that was teaching how to use, um, he was a, like a, a law enforcement officer teaching the people how to use a gun. And he literally, you know, he pulled the gun out and then he boasted in himself. He said, um, you know, you guys don't know how to do this, but since I'm a professional and, you know, I'm an expert at this, I'm going to show you how to use the gun. And he puts the gun in his holster and shoots himself in the leg right in front of everybody. Bam! And, and it was so loud that you could see the movement. Everybody jumped. And he put on a happy face. He said, oh, uh, you know, now don't do like, like I did. And, you know, he didn't. Did, did, all right. This guy put on a show. Rather than to say the, the pain and anguish of what he had done and then the shame and humiliation for having boasted in himself, right? I mean, all of that was, was put to the side and he put on a happy face and then, um, you know, he marched around. It was just very peculiar. But he held himself up, I have to tell you. Now, consider him holding himself up continuously 
I mean, he could die, okay? You know, eventually in our own effort to hold ourselves together and keep ourselves together, we're like rubber bands. We break. It's not going to last forever. So the strength that Paul is telling us to rely on is not, okay, just take it till you're, you're, you're numb. You know, like Mo, Larry, and Curly, when Mo's slapping them all the time, it's been said that, that uh, Larry's um, a face had become so numb it was callous. Yeah, near his death and everything, it, it was just like a brick because Mo slapped him with, yeah, just, just, it was just a constant, right? Okay, so <laughs> we suffer for Christ, you know, in order to introduce Christ. But all the other suffering is in vain. You know, it's, it's like um, denying yourself. Whether those aesthetics, they deny food or deny, they fast for long periods of time or they, they won't go and enjoy your company or they're, they're distant or they're, whatever the case may be, they're denying themselves to show that they have this ability in and of themselves. And it's not necessarily for Christ. Now, we suffer for Christ, and we don't have to go out looking for suffering. There's plenty of suffering going on. What he's going to do is allow us to suffer for him. So he's going to orchestrate, not cause your suffering, but he'll orchestrate it that you, who he knows can endure this suffering, will suffer. Thank you, man. Everybody's so nice to me. Yeah, let me go down here. Give me those candies, too. No, no, no. So what we do is, uh, is, uh, is we suffer for Christ, right? Bless the Lord. Okay, so <clears throat> where is he? Where is Christ in prison when you've been beaten and whooped and left for dead and flogged and all the things that they did to Paul over and over repeatedly? You know, where is the Lord? Okay, so um, the Lord lives in us by his spirit, okay? The Lord is there with us. I am with you always, even until the end of time. These statements that the Lord is making, those aren't just cavalier old, you know, cliches, okay? But when, when you can differentiate in the Bible what's metaphorical or what's a song or what's a whatever, but this is narrative, he said it, I'm with you always, even until the end of time, okay? <laughs> so knowing this, what we want to do is anchor ourselves to Christ. It's an anchor that if I'm anchored to him, come what may, I'm not there, okay? I'm, I'm trying to tell you, I, I'm, I'm flighty, I'm pretty um, volatile, right? Um, I think I got this until you put me in jail. Then when I'm in jail, you know, oh no, I'm just going to speak those things as though they were. You know, in three or four days, it's, Lord, why did you, why did you put me, please get me out, right? Look, John the Baptist, <laughs> it was one minute, no, here comes the Son of God, okay? The next minute, are you really who you say you are? Because he was in jail, okay? It's different once you're in the situation, but if we can start really learning to rely on an anchored relationship to him who lives in us, we have to anchor ourselves to God. It's, it's like 
he's going through it, taking me through it. He's already been through it. His heart is all about me, but he's right there like you're there when you take your kid to the doctor or the dentist and they have to get a shot. Okay, you're there. They can anchor themselves. They grab you, grab your hand, whatever the case may be. This is Paul's example. He can do all these things through Christ who strengthens him. Bless the Lord. So as long as we have the Lord, we can and will rejoice in him. Our motivation is not self-induced. Right? We need to come out of that. I need to come out of it. I need to get a grip. Get the truth going on. It comes from the power of the truth that he is here with us. He is the light in the dark place. I can't have the joy of your presence if you're not present. My joy is fulfilled when you're here. So when Ann is telling me, oh, I'm coming, she's coming, she's been fighting in Vietnam, and she tells me, oh, I'm coming, David, I'll be there, I want Ann here. My anticipation brings me happiness. There's joy knowing that it's going to happen, but I want it to happen. So when Ann gets here, there's a joy I don't have to conjure up. It's just in there. <laughs> so while Christ is here, we need to know there's a joy we don't have to conjure up. We need to be anchored to him because he's in here. He's in us. If we belong to him, Christ is in us and we're in him. Bless the Lord. Oh, I said that. Okay. So, this doesn't mean I can't press myself into a place of joy. So, a lot of people will jack, jack me up. You, you know, no, you can press yourself into, into you know, happiness and and joy in this and that. So I'm not saying that. Like if I came into the church today and Keisha's singing and Josh is playing and everybody's, par you know, not partying. That's some of Ruth's language. And, and who was that at the door? Gina and Ruth. That's how they talk. But um, everybody's enjoying the Lord and everything, right? If, if I come in and then I, uh, you know, I'm just down and, down and out, right? You know, the music starts to affect me. If I determine, I'm going to press myself into him. Let's get this right. If I press myself into the atmosphere, I may as well be at the Luther Vandross concert. I can feel great there. It's a periodic feeling. It's going to leave soon. So what I want is, Lord, help me. Help me exude what lives in me, your spirit. Please help me in this regard. I, can, I don't want to put on a show. Okay, otherwise I'm putting on a show before the people, and it might play off, and I might go home high-fiving my friends and family. But he knows. Okay? That wasn't about me, David. That wasn't a, you didn't even anchor yourself to me. You put, your pride caused you to care more about your reputation than anchoring yourself to me. Bless the Lord. So, um, so now, Philippians, I read the first one. Okay. So Philippians 3, 2 through 3 says, look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. 
Um, so Paul is writing to the Philippians again, um, reintroducing the problem of the Judaizers. So in the early church, those who taught the combination of God's grace and human effort were called Judaizers. Judaizers. So the word Judaizer comes from the Greek verb meaning to live according to Jewish customs. The word appears in Galatians 2.14 where Paul describes how he confronted Peter for forcing Gentile Christians to Judaize. Right? You need to be circumcised. You know, you need to do all these things because, you know, so, so then Peter was a Judaizer. He actually was until he um, repented or renounced those um, improper activities. Dogs are unclean animals. The term was typically used for Jews to describe Gentiles. Dogs were homeless creatures running wild in the streets, scrounging for food the best they could. Um, false teachers, according to Paul, were really the ones who were living on the outside, trying to exist on rituals and ceremonies. So if I were to call you a dog because you're a Gentile, right, and I'm a Pharisee, right, I'm insulting you, first and foremost, saying that you operate like a dog. You're out in the streets scrounging and, you know, you're living like a dog. You're just a dog. That was very insulting, but actually, what's going on is, according to Paul, they were really the ones who were living on the outside. They were the ones trying to exist on rituals and ceremonies, right? So even if I was operating counter-Christian, because I'm not a Christian, I'm some Gentile or whatever, or it could be a Christian Gentile, at that time, he, he, the Jews used to regard the, the Christians I mean, uh, Gentiles, like Samaritans. And so it was like, you guys are dogs. Well, they had harsh words for the, uh, the Pharisees, you're Christ, um, hypocrites, or the Jews, not just Pharisees, you're hypocrites. So the, 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 back, the name dropping would go back and forth. And it was insulting. It's kind of like, like today with um, Republicans, political groups, Republicans and, and Democrats, right? Um, both sides, you ask me, both sides have Christians, in them. Okay? Both sides. I don't care. You know, if you talk to a staunch Republican that's far right, that Republican is going to say, no, no, they're not Christians, <laughs> right? But if you talk to a far left Democrat, they're going to say the same thing. Okay? No, no, they're not Christians. And here are the reasons why. And they go back and forth. But, and it might be in your hearts right now, that those Republicans ain't Christians, and, and, and vice versa. If you're a Republican, you're thinking the same thing right now in your hearts. So Paul is trying to dispel this kind of conflict. Really, he's not even trying to. He's dispelling it. What he's saying is basically this fight, it's, it's not a godly fight. If I am a Christian and I'm a, a, a Republican, then I need to be recruiting you to Christ, not to republicanism, right? It's, this is what my goal is. I'm a Christian. So, so, but, but right now, you can see with all the harsh words and the tones and stuff that come from the one news source that dominates the Republican Party, uh, Fox News, there, there, there's no love for the opponent or the opposite person. So, they never, Fox News, is, to my knowledge, never said, we're Christians. But I don't know. I don't think so. I think Rupert Murdoch is not a Christian. You know, but look, don't get me in trouble. But what I'm, I'm going to say is that if there is 
a Christian there and they're working for an, a Republican outfit and they're compromising because their goal is to draw people to Christ. To put up a filter saying you need to become a Republican first because Republicans are Christians is, is just really wrong. The same with the Democrats, okay? It's, it's wrong. Yeah, the humanitarian efforts and all the, you know, um, we're supposed to defend the poor and all of these things. Right now, we can point out in our own hearts everything that we know is wrong from a Christian standard, okay? So maybe one or the other started out Christ-like. Well, a little bit of leaven spoils a whole bunch, Okay, what we need to do is we need to operate Christ-like, and that's just not for, for this, this was a good sermon. I'm saying ask the Lord who lives in you <laughs> to give you his reality on what's going on, right? We have to ask. If we don't ask, we're not going to get it. You don't ask, you don't get. Okay, so, so look, and this, this um, works against our, our, our attitudes, because we're coming from the world, we have attitudes based on the world, okay? Our attitudes have been shaped. We were born in sin and shaped in iniquity. So our attitudes have been shaped. We'll defend in the moment, you know, um, my right to be a Democrat or my right to be a Republican. We'll defend that in a moment. Defend the faith. Defend Christ. This is what we defend. It may need, mean that I have to submit to some of your harsh rhetoric I may have to in order to introduce Christ because I need to love you like he does. And that's why I'm confronted by you right now. He allowed it. He allowed it so that I, David can tell this person, not only tell this person about Christ, but because Christ lives in David, David's going to be the Christ they see. Get it? Christ is here in me. They don't need to see me. If I've really died and he's really come to life in me, they don't need to see me. They, they don't need to because I'm forever trying to show my broken, scarred, toe-up-from-the-flow-up body and put and exalt my flesh above the real need. Okay, this is not what they need to see. They need to see me humbly submit before God in order to bring them in. We can talk about how wrong you were later. <laughs> You know, we can talk about it later. We'll, we'll put all that on there and see how it matters later once you really have the Lord living in you. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. So professing to be true believers, they gained admission into Christian fellowships, these Judaizers, in order to spread their false teaching. Paul also goes on to say the mutilation. This is a sarcastic term to describe their attitude toward circumcision. They insisted that a person must be circumcised in order to be saved. But all they meant by this was the physical, literal act of circumcision. They weren't at all concerned with the spiritual meaning. Okay? Circumcision speaks of death to the flesh. It's symbolic. The flesh needs to die. Okay? This is... <laughs> so, me trying to, again, trying to produce um, some kind of salvation experience in someone that I don't agree with because they look at me like I'm a dog, right? So, so I need to die to myself. Okay, this is the message. If we don't put our flesh to death, <laughs> we won't be used by life. 
This life in us needs to take over. It's not this breathing life that God made David and breathed in him the breath of life. I mean the life eternal for Jesus Christ. I need that life to take over this dead body. And I need to quit pretending or believing or trying to convince myself that I'm alive. Okay? I need to cut it out. No, I'm a Christian. I'm dead. Okay? So, bless the Lord. So, in contrast with these, Paul states... Yeah. In contrast with these, Paul states that we, true believers, are the circumcision. True believers are the circumcision. There's no reason to go and get circumcised. You are the circumcision. You really believe. Okay? Okay. Not those who happen to be born of Jewish parents or have been literally circumcised, but those who realize that the flesh profits nothing, that man can do nothing in his own strength to win God's smile of approval. Then Paul gives three characteristics of those who are the true circumcision. They worship God in spirit. Okay? By our spiritual worship, it might be acknowledged by others that we're in worship. Okay? But we worship God in spirit and in truth. What did he tell the woman at the well? The day is coming that you'll worship God in spirit and in truth. Now, we have to be careful because what we're feeding ourselves could give us a wrong spiritual representation. In other words, I could be thinking because I'm solemn and in solitude and I'm meditative and I'm walking and these things that are coming to my mind, they're making sense because of the moment that I'm in aren't necessarily God's spirit. I mean, for real now, if you eat gasoline, you're going to burn up. Okay, it matters what we eat. It matters how often we eat. It matters. Start a regular diet on his word so that when we start thinking counter to his word, the spirit is already ready. He's ready inside of us, right? He wants to let us know there's an error. Ding! It's, it's just, <laughs> if he doesn't do it inside of us, because we're not only reading and studying his word, Dorothy's going to come and she's going to say, that doesn't sound right. This isn't right. We can easily make a God of our own. We can easily do it. We've done it all our lives. Before we came to Christ, we had a God of our own. It was us. We were our own gods. That is... There's a true spiritual worship, not one or mere ceremonies. In true worship, a person enters into the presence of God by faith and pours out his love, praise, adoration, and homage. Soulish worship, on the other hand, is occupied with beautiful buildings, ecclesiastical furniture, with elaborate ceremonies and brocaded priestly garments, and all the ceremonial procession that goes with it. You know, <laughs> the fake stuff. It looks good. I love it. I do. I want to see all that come floating down, you know, you know, like Pastor um, Daniel said, bring on the smoke, bring on the smoke. You know, I like we like it. We want this entertainment. We want all this. Nothing matters more than the truth that this spirit is in me leading the way. And I'm in adhering to this spirit. By now, we're getting older. I know I've been insulting you guys, so I'm going to say we over we over 30. You know, we getting older, so 30 to 32. I see y'all. And so, but we're getting older. We know we're dying. 
Do we want to stay fixed on the next fantastic thing that they develop? I mean, isn't it enough that we can see each other literally in video on the phone? I mean, do you think that it gets worse or better? Men are creative. God put the power in the men to be creative, right? But it's got to be greater later if the power is coming from later. It's got to be better there. Okay, there's more to come. Don't settle for this that you're looking while your eyes are dwindling, while they're becoming faint, while we're becoming decrepit, you know, breaking down. Place our minds on things above that are pure and lovely and of a good report. Place our, our minds on the things that bring God glory. Place our minds on things that will make us feel the joy, the inner joy, the, the truth of who lives in us. Members of the true circumcision rejoice. They have no confidence in the flesh. They rejoice <clears throat> because they worship God. It's true spiritual worship. Finally, they boast about what, finally, um, uh, Philippians 3, 23. Oh, well, hold on a minute. Let, let, let me say this also. Um, mutilation, because I, I, I think I left that out. I'm almost done. Uh, mutilation, um, circumcision, mutilation is what Paul's calling it, right? And we all know what that means. Okay, um, I, I believe what the Holy Spirit is trying to convey is that um, it means nothing. Doctors do it now for health reasons, right? But it doesn't have anything to do with our heart, and where our heart belongs, anchored to Christ. It has nothing to do with it. Look, but what people will argue, I've been looking and reading a lot of stuff, and their argument, well, no, you need to be baptized. Look at all the people that were baptized, and we all know you go up down a dry devil and come up a wet one. That act has nothing to do with it if it's not a heartfelt anchor to Christ. In other words, these are ceremonial practices that if they're actually um, bringing evidence of Christ into our lives that we believe what we're doing and having a true conversion, then they mean everything to the kingdom. So we're supposed to do those things. Well, Jesus said, well, no, let's do this. Let's do it because it's been written and, and you know, I need to fulfill everything. So fulfill all we can. But if you're somewhere there's no water, believe me, it's the heart of the matter, not the, the ceremony. Bless the Lord. You can't mutilate something. You can't mutilate your genitals and then expect to be a woman. You, you can't do it. Think about what I'm saying. Okay, that look, that your goal is to become a woman. My goal is to become a Christian by by circumcision? My, my, my goal is to become a woman by cutting off, right? Mutilation is not going to get me where I'm going. Bless the Lord. Okay, so then um, he said in there, exalt, which means to glorify or elevate something, but to exalt, E-X-U-L-T, is to rejoice. Exalt your favorite pro wrestler, Jesus, or status in the world. Exalt means when you get the last two tickets to see your favorite band, 
If you think something is the best thing ever and you practically worship it, you exalt it. I think they spelled that wrong. What we want to do is exalt the Lord in our hearts, right? And what we don't want to take for granted or what we really don't want to um, uh, come away with. I mean, if anything, the pleading is that we see we can fool the people. And literally, we end up fooling ourselves because we can get in this habit of putting on a happy face. You know, because this is how we respond to situations. It's easy to do. I don't care who it is. You know, we know when to smile. And, and you know, you're not going to look at your boss if your boss is telling G. Keith, you know, um, when you want the position and he's making a big announcement and telling and saying, well, G. Keith gets the job. I'm supposed to smile. Right? Right? Okay. I learned. I learned to smile. Right then, I could be asking the Lord. If I were talking to the Lord in that moment, would the Lord be telling me, I didn't have that for you. I have greater things for you. Or if we're brothers in the Lord, I have things for you, David, that I want for you. Don't be covetous or envious. I never told you to, to shoot out after that anyway. That's for G. Keith. So I need to be anchored. Then my smile and my clap will be sincere and genuine. We're dealing with our hearts here. Bless the Lord. So baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you as a removal of the dirt from your body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's, God wants us to, to be baptized. He wants us to do whatever it takes to proclaim the gospel. Um, but in the event that we can't, he never wanted that act above our heart. It's the heart, okay? He wants us sold out, dedicated to him. We can play and have fun, but look, at the end of the day or the end of the moment, my heart belongs to him, right? I want you to love me. Love David. He's a broken old dead body. Just <laughs> And when, when I'm saying that, because we have to die to ourselves, okay? Love me. But yeah, because I love you. And I want to be all entwined and intertwined and don't do something and forget me. Right? I want that. But at the same time, I mean, I really want us to impress each other with and impact each other with this truth that resides in us. This is what Jesus wants, us to love each other the way he and the Father love each other. That's a different love. They're, they're so connected, they're one. <laughs> Bless the Lord. So from Philippians 3, 4 to 11, Paul says, Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also, if anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I counted all as loss for the sake of Christ. 
Indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I might gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through the resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. So Paul says... He's a real Jew. He was a real Jew. Okay, he was one of those spectacular Jews. Okay, he's like a Steph Curry. Okay, he wasn't just a, a player, right? And he was a member of the elite Pharisaical group. Pharisaical, the Pharisees, right? And uh, his strictest obedience was to the Jewish law. So if anyone kept it, he did. He was meticulous with it, trying to make sure and dot every I and cross every T. And he persecuted the church. So we know these things. But what we also uh, need to know is that if, if I were trying to recruit you based on, and so much of us, I mean, if, look, I'd have a better time. I'd have a much better time trying to get um, Keith and Doretha and Linda and everybody to to join my club if I were a big name. Who's a big name? And then all of you guys like it. Uh, you know, just a big name, um, Bill Gates. If I was Bill Gates, right? Yeah. Oh, well, okay. <laughs> okay, strike that from the camera, from the video. So, um, but if I were a big name, I need to think of a good big name. I'm sorry, but a big name guy. Um, who else? Oh, who? If I were Barack Obama, I would have a better, um, 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 it, it, look, because I'm famous. And if there's something in our hearts that wants that association or relation or, you know, or all of the hoopla that goes around Barack Obama, and then we're not dealing with it, we're anchoring ourselves to something that's perishing, something today. Now, if Barack Obama came and said, you know what, I renounce all of that. You know, right now, Jesus is all I live for. As a matter of fact, you're going to see it in all my moral choices going forward. They're going to be so moral, I won't even put on my black sunglasses anymore and look like JFK, right? I'm going to do these things now. Okay, well, is he still rich? I'm going to give all my money away to the poor. I only have a pension to live on. But that's kind of nice, a pension for president. And as every check comes in, I'm only going to take 10%. I may start to look at him from a different vantage point. I don't see my heart's intent being fulfilled now because he's not the man he used to be. Paul is not the man he used to be. He's renounced all those things. You get it? He's like, now look, you, you look, be with us. I'm not the only one. Lydia renounced her stuff too. Okay, she, she's not priding herself in her riches. Okay, we're Christians now. What we're doing is we're pressing and promoting the Christ, the Son of God, so that we can be saved where it's going to matter in a kingdom that we need to get a grip on. This kingdom is going to be a place where you can be 
And you can exist and you can have all these luxuries and all the things that we were denied here and that only wanted and got deceived wanting them. Because that's what the enemy does. He has it. If he didn't have it, he wouldn't have offered it to Christ. Christ, the whole gospel narrative would have been rewritten. Christ would have said, you don't have that to give me. But he does. That's why Christ rebuked him. Bless the Lord. Okay, so we need to renounce those desires. It's not like we put on a happy face. It's go in here where God lives, where he's waiting for us. Correct my vision, Lord. Correct my heart. Let me toss everything away for the sake of your gospel. That I can't do without you. I don't think anyone just woke up today and said, I don't want to do anything but what God says. Not one of us. But we can wake up and say, Lord, help me do what you say. And when we fail, we can tell him, Lord, I did ask, and I'm asking again, because I know you can do it. My head would say,